Hello, this is your host, Donna Barr, and welcome to A Bazillion Ghost Stories. Does anybody really know a bazillion ghost stories? But then again, aren't all stories set in the past ghost stories? Another kind of Halloween movies we watch is Roman Polanski's Macbeth, and yes, we know... He doesn't seem to have realized, just like Joss Whelan and a lot of other guys, that uh, you're not a little boy anymore. You don't get to hit on little girls. Grow up and leave them alone. Um, protect them, help them, but uh, you don't do that. You're not a little boy or a young man anymore, okay? Anyway, but at the beginning of Macbeth, if you look at the three sisters, they are weeping. The hand they put into the hole in the sand I believe is the hand of a loved one and they want to do the whole looks like Christian kings that have come in and that have hurt them and hurt their family and uh, they're out for revenge on all of them and of course at the end of the movie you have that silent moment when another character hears them singing and he goes back in to look and it's going to start all over again. Speaking of grief, there is the problem of losing people regardless of species and wondering where are they and are they buried somewhere where no one can find them. And I found that the only comfortable or comforting thing to think is act like this is all men in black and they are still on the same planet. Keep them on this planet. They haven't gone off to another planet. It's a little tiny planet, so they might as well be next door. So anybody you've lost, and if you think they might be dead, they're still with you. They're right here on this little tiny dust moat of a planet. Finally, for some ultimate sadness, I was listening to another podcast about someone who had been set up by a friend, a recently friend-made friend, who uh, basically had her watch him commit suicide uh, on Skype. And uh, I thought, this was done on purpose. He's preparing to do this. And then I thought about some other situations. And you should know that suicide doesn't come off the top of people's heads. People prepare a long, long time. And in most cases, you have people who really do want to get out of a bad situation uh, bullied people, harmed people, people with terrible memories. But then you have suicide bullies. And I realized that this guy had met this girl, set her up, and thought that he was going to own her by committing suicide. And these people are nuts. Yes, they are. They're crazy. And then I thought about the fact that there have been millions of suicide bullies. This guy wanted to be a Marine. And I've seen situations in where people want to be in the army. And that's a suicide bully. They're, I'm going to go off and fight and die. And I'll die and I'll take your hearts and your memories and I'll own you. And it's, armies are suicide bullies. And uh, for those people I know personally who listen to this, um, I saw a suicide bully in action. And I can't 
prove whether this person drove someone to, su to suicide or committed the suicide. But this person, which some of you know, um, I saw them in action at another house. I saw them pushing somebody who wasn't putting up with their shit and got them out of their life. And I don't know if any of you think you know who I mean, but it led the, to the death of a dear friend that we all knew. Um, and then the person who had led to the death, whether it was murder or suicide or <laughs> murder by suicide, then this person committed suicide. And I really would like to look into the situation of suicide bullies and see if that's where their heads are on and they ain't on straight. I just had a wonderful interview with an old friend and he being English made the remark that Americans don't seem to ever know anything about other countries. And I tell them, well, we have a 50 state empire that we have to navigate and keep track of. And it's enough to know how those states work and the different laws and navigate the different laws and the different borders, because this isn't a country, it's an empire. And he, he realized that, yeah, they might've had a lot of states that they were take ruling as part of the British Empire, but they really didn't know a lot about them either. And so America is massive. And if we don't know about your country, ours is huge and it is confusing and people are always knocking heads. And so just to survive, uh, if you want to get America's attention, um, you have to centralize, you have to, you know, go to Washington, D.C. Uh, because you've got to come to a central point. Social media these days is about the only way you can take care of things. Uh, but that's why America seems to be a navel gazer because it's got 50 navels and we get confused. You never know where you're going to find QAnoners, the nicest people in the world. The first thing they tell you is things like, oh, I can't understand pronouns. And they're feeling you out to find out if you're a bad person, too. Uh, and then you very quickly say, well, you don't have any trouble with married names. And you find out they were trying to learn Clallam. And then you tell them that, well, the natives all have their official government name. And then they've got the tribal name. And people have nicknames. And you don't have any problem with that. And uh, the person, you know, what do I do? Do I call them girl or boy or man? I said, call them cutie. And they were like, oh, I could do that. But they will feel you out to find out if you're a bad person so you can be a bad person with them. Um, I'm glad we've driven them underground, but God, stop mistaking me for one of you. For God's sakes, I'm not stupid and I understand science. Uh, the latest was, you know, she managed to slip in, and this is pure racism. Uh, the fact that, oh, well, we all, we, we, she included me in it, we all survived the bubonic plague, so we have stronger immune systems. And it hit me that they think that the possibility they've got a slight immunity to bubonic plague or smallpox, and I mean slight, without understanding that they could have lost that in the centuries because of 
you know, anything from mutation, simply broken genes, or your dad didn't have them, or your mother was something else, or they were, you were born on the wrong side of the blanket or whatever. They seem to think this gives you superior white people or European uh, immunity to everything. They think they are immune to malaria. They think they are immune to everything in the world. They go take their kids off um, to have chickenpox parties. Uh, and I think they may finally be getting it through their heads that then they're going to have to pay for the kids' shingle shots, or at least the kids will have to pay for them when they're, you know, in their 60s. In other words, they can't take care of you because they're having to take care of their own illnesses. But they think that their imaginary immunity to bubonic plague, which uh, if they ever run into it, they are going to be in trouble. They're not immune to cholera. They're not immune to typhoid, uh, typhus, or any of the rest of those. Um, they think they're immune to everything. They think they have superior Superman white people genes, and I mean Superman in the term of master race, to everything because maybe, maybe, maybe a villager back in the 1300s managed to get through the bubonic plague. And they literally think that gives them an immunity to everything. And they just... There's QAnoners everywhere, and they will try to suss you out to find if, out if you're one of them. Um, and then they back off really, really, really quickly, and they start mouthing what they think of as your line, uh, the decent line. They try to pretend they're nice people, but I'm sorry they branded themselves. Once you're outed as an asshole, you're outed as an asshole. That thing is hanging out in the wind like my cat bear's butt. She's got the biggest asshole in the world. Yes, you do, Bear. Don't give me that look. She's got, she looks like the um, pouty bat face in Hotel Transylvania, except much blacker. Um, but she, they, they just out themselves. And right away, you know, they're QAnoners and every single one of them, uh, even if they're serving food, we've got a mask on. Oh, I've had COVID twice. So you and I, we are superior white people from Europe and we can survive these things and you don't have to wear the mask. And, oh, and they think, they still think that the way you get COVID is from somebody who's been vaccinated when they don't even understand that those particular uh, viruses were dead when they were injected. And it's just a signaling method like, hey, immune system, we're here. They don't get that. They do not understand that when they say, I've had COVID twice, uh, it doesn't mean, look at me, I have the paler skin. What it means is I am a disease, disease carrier. I am typhoid Mary, and I am insisting on handling food in the local area. I'm telling you, don't eat anything up here in Glallon Bay because you do, ex, uh, the Hesmart. The Hesmart's another thing entirely. The Hesmart still has their plastic screens up. They still have their six feet apart. They may not insist on masks or anything, but they're not taking any damn chances. So, you know, any place, you know, farther downtown where the totem pole is, and I'm sorry to say it, but the totem pole marks it and everything going west out of there, that is the QAnon compound. That is where you find the people who are f trying to tell lies about 5G, and uh, they will be bringing up the whole thing about trying to claim Hillary Clinton was a child molester and bullshit like that, but it's their own pastors who do it. But everything down there, um, I don't know, is it the seawater? Is there something about the air down there? Maybe they, maybe they know from the vibration that when the big one hits um, and the shelf of land simply drops 13 feet. We don't got time to run from the tsunami.
They simply all going to drown. Maybe they know that. Maybe they think they can get away with something up till then. But uh, yeah, it's the latest one. I just I just finally figured out their their so called possible ancestor that might have got through the Black Plague, uh, and they think that that person has passed down the genes absolutely pure on both sides of the family, um, regardless of who they might have in their gene base now. And people are always shocked when they find out what they are. Uh, they think it gives them an immunity to absolutely everything. And, of course, I was listening to another podcast. This is actually happening, and it was about how a pimp got a innocent girl, because um, innocence is not good for you. You should know things. Uh, sneaked her into his stable, and that's how the Germans talk about prostitutes. They call prostitutes Ferda, horses, um, which is, you know, not the worst thing to call somebody, actually calling somebody a horse. Um, but we still call it a stable, and... I was listening to the way that these people were brought in and terrorized and frightened and everything else. It sounded exactly like the way evangelicals raise their kids. Or well, actually, any religion raises their kids. Um, they're basically pimping their kids. Uh, and the girls especially, they don't want them to marry or get away from them or do anything like that. They, they want to sell those girls off to the proper bidder so that they can have influence and they can control their lives. There can be money in the family. So that's that's why they really hate girls growing up and fucking somebody else. Because whenever anybody's going, my daughter is, well, yeah, what are you doing? Saving her to fuck you, fuck her yourself? And it's like, ooh, in too many cases, it's completely true. Anyway, that's kind of a thing that I probably am not the first person to make a comparison to. That you know, religious pimping, that's just what it is. But then I got thinking about the character Jesus, and I'm sorry, I may be God-free, but I love me some history, and I do love me journalism in uh, religious texts. And, uh, you know, there's no use going to the Quran because the Quran is all journalism. The Quran is that guy writing down the shit that popped into his head or he got from his mother or whatever the hell else happened while he was trying to run a house full of women, and his wife was supporting him. I mean, God. It's like... Um, we listen to Thoreau, and uh, Islamic people listen to Muhammad, and they're both being supported by women. It's like, come on, guys. I think they're afraid the women are going to dump them is what they're afraid of, and then they'd have to wash their own shirts. Uh, anyway, I was thinking about the character of uh, Yeshua ben Joseph, which is the probable real name of uh, the character that the Greeks uh, later called Jesus Christ. And I was thinking, well, was he a pimp? And then I looked at what he said. I never look at anything else he says except the little red pieces. And for some reason, somebody just, they kept that. They kept the little red pieces and uh, the little red lines. And you look at that stuff. And the guy, I, I, I've i seen this. You know, you're in a tavern. You're with everybody from tax collectors to prostitutes to you know Roman soldiers, whoever's going through. And you're drinking and you're talking. And... I suddenly realized that uh, I think I know Jesus's sexuality. They're always wondering, did he get married? Did he get that? It's like, no, the guy was a nerd sexual. He was more interested in movies and comic books than he was in getting it off. Um, uh, I don't, I don't know. Uh, did anybody say anything about masturbation back then? I don't think anybody ever said a thing about it. I still don't, you know, you have the, the Bible of the Jews has the thing about, you know, spilling it on the ground, but that was specifically about a uh, a marriage that had to do and about um, 
you know, fooling your wife. She's trying to get pregnant or the family's trying to get you pregnant. I think it's more about that, but they come in the whole thing about uh, about masturbation. And, uh, I'm again, it's this whole fixation our society has, so you got to address it. But, you know, did Jesus jack off? Probably. Or maybe not. I don't know. He was out there running around uh, with with a bunch of weirdos on the roads, probably ran into to Buddhists, and uh, most of what we have when they talk about what he did, there is um, a lot of smashed together Jesus names and Josephus, which is the uh, chronicler of the time, and you've got a couple of Jesuses in there. But the one thing that sounds like journalism is this guy just hanging around and he was talking all the time, talking, doing, going to parties, dude was a party guy. But he um, he really sounds like a nerd sexual. So I'm not going to say he was asexual or gender free or any of those things. But he really, really, really does sound like the kind of guy that would spend more time talking to a girl or discussing his ideas, have his brain rattling around. He's talking to women. It says he's talking to tax collectors and he's talking to prostitutes. That's all he's doing. He's talking blah, 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 blah. And that's what he's doing. And I get that because I'm that kind of person, which means that since he was a man, it's very possible that Mary dropped him on his head and opened up his brain and gave him that eight level hyperlink. That's kind of the norm for women. And like I'm saying, that may not be an actual reconstruction Women may not be born with eight-level hyperlinks, but we have thinner skulls, so just running into a wall or falling off the porch could give you an eight-level hyperlink. So now I've just asked myself the question, uh, was Jesus dropped on his head as a baby? I was telling you about this is actually happening, where they let people just run their mouths, and it sounds like what they done is cut out all the uhs and mistakes and everything like this so everybody sounds like they're they're reciting what's going on in their lives and it has some fascinating things that happen but there's one terrible situation where a woman shows up at a kid's house uh the kid's about i don't know 15 17 in there um and uh this murderer tries to get her can't get her and goes in and kills uh the kid's mom and cuts up her grandmother and nobody can understand why this woman, a couple of doors down, came in and attacked that household and went for the girl. She was looking for the girl. Uh, she was actually prosecuted for second-degree murder because she did not plan to kill the mother. She was just, you know, once you get the button started, you've heard these people screaming at bus stops. Um, once that button is turned on, they can't turn it off. Uh, she, It's like a cat. Once they set, um, Once a cat is set to hit or bite, they do. It's like a magic spring. So this woman went off and stabbed her mother to death. Uh, she was taken out of rage. Obviously, she was off her meds. But why did she go for the mom? She didn't go for the mom. She wasn't actually going for the mother. She was going for the mother because she couldn't get to the little girl. And uh, there was a boyfriend that this woman lived with. So she's telling this story, and everybody's going, well, you don't know why she did this. Why did she go off the handle? Why should, did she try to stab a teenage girl? Well, I'll tell you why. I've seen these crazy women who carry... You know, a knife around their neck on a string. Yeah, yeah, that was also the one that one of the ones that had lice in the barracks when I was in uh, in the army. And you know, it's never black people; <laughs> they don't got them. Um, but uh, oh, where was I going with this? Yes, well, I'll tell you what happened. You got the boyfriend there, and you got the extremely jealous girlfriend. Uh, she evidently grabbed the kitchen knife in the house. Uh, I don't know if she was going to beat the girl up or what, but she got a hold of the knife. 
But if she had a boyfriend, and if she was one of these very, very, very jealous women, and they are bonkers, um, maybe you want to look at that boyfriend. Maybe that boyfriend had been scooping out that little girl, watching her, maybe making remarks on her, and the girlfriend caught him. And by the way, these people, if you've been at a bus stop with them, you know, adventures in commuting, like my uh, husband Dan's friend said, adventures in commuting, um, if you make eye contact with them, they go off. It ends up with police incidents. We just had one the other day where somebody, you know, focused on a guy and he finally got tired of her screaming at him. So he called the police because she had finally got over on public property. We were all waiting for a bus driver to show up to just report it to the bus driver. And then the bus driver would get the police, that kind of thing. It's jurisdiction. But this dum-dum had wandered over on the parking lot property. So that city property. So the guy could call. And um, the police. Oh, by the way, the, the police they sent down were all the um, the cute little female cops with beautifully designed uniforms. They don't look like crap anymore. And they send the women because you do not want to send the hulking male cops down who've all grown up on steroids, and you know they'll just make it worse. But the women go down for negotiation and to calm everybody down. But uh, that that's the problem. Uh, no doubt at all, boyfriend got looking at this teenage girl and extremely jealous, bonkers girlfriend went in there looking for the girl and got distracted. I'm not saying that's what's happened. Uh, but that's that's what that sounds like. I'd be looking at the at the boyfriend for this one. Let's end on something nice, and this time I can quote somebody's name, Roberta Gregory, that fine comics artist and writers of Naughty Bits, um, and also Winging It, two wonderful series. Uh, she and I were doing our usual going to a Comic-Con and sharing all the expenses, and we went down past Olympia, and uh, we stopped off at the Mima Mounds, and looked those up, they're cool, M-I-M-A Mounds, and they are mystery mounds uh, down by Olympia. Um, it's this field that just has all these little mounds in it with little, like, trails between them, and they look, well, they've been trying to figure out for years what those are, how the the glaciers moved them or earthquakes or whatever so Roberta and I are in there looking at one of the mounds which has been cut and it's got all the layers in there and there's and the weird thing about it, it's got soil mixed soil and then it's got what looks like might be I don't know decay black and then there's there's an awful lot of charcoal in there but there's layers of charcoal and dirt and everything else we looked at each other and we went well it's obvious what this is this is made by the women and the kids uh, growing and burning and piling every year, keeping little trails in there and having low and high areas where the plants can grow. This is woman-made. But, of course, guys can't see that. They're absolutely fucking blind, especially most archaeologists. It's pretty damned obvious the Mima Mounds are just uh, garden humps. I mean, it's right there. You can see it. Unless they had a whole bunch of forest fires in the middle of these weird glacial or past tidal events, but go look at it. Once you look at it, you'll go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's women with hoes and kids with hoes and the men coming in when they weren't hunting because they were helping too. Um, look, let me tell you something. In a tribal or rural area, there is no such thing as a gender role. If that wood needs carried or cut or the yard mowed or somebody to get into um, the local government, they don't care if you're man, 
woman, trance, whatever. We had a lovely big trance lady up here. I, um, I imagine she's still on the city council. She's like six foot nine. She's huge. With the cutest little, little fingernails and the proper little makeup and very feminine. She's just massive. And nobody says a goddamn thing because somebody has to do it and nobody is going to bother anybody who is. And the few people who do get caught doing nasty stuff like this, well, let me tell you something. In the Pacific Northwest, if they're not ignoring you, they'll shoot you. So you people getting on buses, uh, settle down. People don't want to talk to people because they don't want to talk to people, okay? And I've seen people who... Uh, we're giving an old man a hard time, and he pulled out a rifle. So uh, don't bother people in the Pacific Northwest. They're liable to take you. Oh, and speaking of that, um, everybody get up to Port Angeles for SquatchCon because, uh, and as I, I started this with a Comic-Con, I'm ending it with a Comic-Con. I get up to SquatchCon, PA, happens in March. And uh, just look at the way that the people that Port Angeles dress all the time. I don't know if they go to thrift stores or what, but they put together whatever they want, any way they want, male or female. They's fancied up, and you will meet everybody from bus stop crazies to the most polite antique language young men on a bicycle wearing a beret. Um, I mean, one of them passed me... Uh, yesterday and said well how are you today my fine lady and i said well i'm fine and you're looking well well thank you very much we went so fucking 19th century <laughs> but that's what you'll get you don't know port Angel angelus ah is a strange place but kind of lovely so hope to see you there and thanks again roberta roberta always figures this stuff out she's smarter than anybody else Would you like to be part of this podcast? You can go to anchor.fm slash Donna-Bar and you can leave me a voice message with your story that can become part of this podcast. If you would rather have me read it, send a PDF or PDFA, double-spaced, larger type to DonnaBar01 at gmail.com. You can also become a patron at patreon.com slash Donna Bar. And finally, if you would like to know anything about what I've done in my life that has to do with my work, conventions, etc., go to DonnaBar.com. Hope to see you there. I will also put all this information in the program notes. A spooky.